Hello, and welcome to the Mr. Dog Podcast, where we read Albert Bigelow Payne's classic Victorian-era stories about the hollow tree and the animal friends that live there. We've had 20 episodes so far, and 20 fantastic tales from a very different time. Our journey started because of a little story called Christmas at the Hollow Tree Inn that we've read in my family for three generations now, every Christmas Eve. I'm Henry Cordes, and this is the Mr. Dog Podcast, produced by That So Enterprises. Today we hear the continuation of Mr. Rabbit's tale, and I think you'll agree that there are some surprising twists and turns to it. Did they have enough left over for supper? Enough for all the visitors, I mean? Asks the little lady the next evening, when the storyteller is ready to go on with the history of the hollow tree. Oh, yes, they had plenty for supper, and more, too. They had been getting ready a good while for just such a time as this, and had carried in a lot of food. And they had a good many nice things down in the storeroom where the wood was, but they didn't need those yet. They just put on what they had left from their big dinner, and Mr. Crow stirred up a pan of hot biscuits by his best receipt, and they passed them back and forth across the table, so much that Mr. Possum said they went like hotcakes, sure enough, and always took two when they came his way. And they talked a good deal about the stories that Mr. Coon and Mr. Rabbit had told them, and everybody thought how sly and smart Mr. Coon had been to fool Mr. Dog that way. And Mr. Coon said that now he came to think it over, he supposed it was a pretty good trick, though it really hadn't seemed so specially great to him at the time. He said he didn't think it half as smart as Mr. Tortoise's trick on Mr. Rabbit's grandpa Hare, when he beat him in the foot race and went over the fence first, taking Mr. Hare's tail with him. And then they wondered if that had all really happened as Mr. Rabbit had told it. All but Mr. Turtle who just sat and smiled to himself, and didn't say anything at all except, please pass the biscuits, now and then, when he saw the plate being set down in front of Mr. Possum. Then by and by they all got through, and hurried up and cleared off the table, and went back to the fire, and pretty soon Jack Rabbit began to tell how the rest of the rabbits lost their tails. Well, he said, My 27th great-grandfather Hare didn't go out again for several days. He put up a sign that said, Not at home, on his door, and then tried a few experiments to see what could be done. First he tried to splice his property back into place, as Mr. Tortoise had told him he might, but that plan didn't work worth a cent. He never could get it spliced on straight, and if he did get it about right, it would lop over or sag down or something as soon as he moved. And when he looked at himself in the glass, he made up his mind that he'd rather do without his nice plumy brush altogether than to go out into society with it in that condition. So he gave it up and put on some nice all-healing ointment, and before long what there was left of it was all well, and a nice bunch of soft white cottony fur had grown out over the scar. And Grandpa Hare thought when he looked at himself in the glass that it was really quite becoming, 
though he knew the rest of his family would always be saying things about it, and besides they would laugh at him for letting Mr. Tortoise beat him in a foot race. Sometimes, when there was nobody around, my grandfather would go out into the sun and light his pipe and lean up against a big stone or maybe a stump and think it over. And one morning as he sat there thinking, he made up his mind what he would do. Mr. Lion lived in the big deep woods in those days, and he was king. Whenever anything happened among the deep woods people that they couldn't decide for themselves, they went to where King Lion lived, in a house all by himself over by the big west hills, and he used to settle the question. And sometimes when somebody that wasn't very old, and maybe was plump and tender, had done something that wasn't just right, King Lion would look at him and growl and say, it was too bad for anyone so young to do such things, and especially for them to grow up and keep on doing them. So he would have him for breakfast, or maybe dinner, and that would settle everything in the easiest and shortest way. Of course, Grandfather Hare knew very well that Mr. Tortoise and Mr. Fox wouldn't go with him to King Lion, for they would be afraid to after what they had done. So he made up his mind to go alone and tell him the whole story, because he was as sure as anything that King Lion would decide that he had really won the race and would be his friend, which would make all the other Deepwoods people jealous and proud of him again, and perhaps make them wish they had nice bunches of white cottony fur in the place of long, dragging tails that were always in the way. And then some day he would show King Lion where Mr. Fox and Mr. Tortoise lived. My grandfather Hare didn't stop a minute after he thought of that, but just set out for King Lion's house over at the foot of the Big West Hills. He had to pass by Mr. Fox's house, and Mr. Fox called to him, but Grandpa Hare just set up his ears as proud as could be, and went by lickety-split without looking at Mr. Fox at all. It was a good way to King Lion's house, but Grandpa Hare didn't waste any time, and he was there almost before he knew it. When he got to King Lion's door, he hammered on the knocker, and when nobody came right away, he thought maybe the king was out for a walk. But that wasn't so. King Lion had been sick for two or three days, and he was still in bed and had to get up and get something around him before he could let Grandpa in. Grandpa Hare sat down on the steps to wait, and when all at once the door opened behind him, and he felt something grab him by the collar and swing in, and set him down hard on a seat, and then he saw it was King Lion, and he didn't much like his looks. So it was you, was it, making that noise, he said. Well, I'm glad to see you, for I was just thinking about having a nice rabbit for breakfast. And then my 27th grand great-grandfather knew he'd made a mistake, coming to see King Lion when he was feeling that way. And he had to think pretty quick to know what to say. But our family have always been pretty quick in their thoughts. And Grandpa Hare spoke right up as polite as could be, and said he would do anything he could to find a nice young plump rabbit for King Lion and that he would even be proud to be a king's breakfast himself. Only he wasn't so very young, nor so very plump. And besides, there was that old prophecy about the king and the cotton-tailed rabbit, which of course he said King Lion must have heard about. 
Well, then King Lion said that my 27th great-grandfather was plenty young enough and plenty plump enough and that he'd never heard of any prophecy about a cotton-tailed rabbit and that he'd never heard of a cotton-tailed rabbit either. And then Grandpa Hare just got up and turned around, and as he turned, he said, as solemnly as he could, When the king eats a hare with a cotton tail, then the king's good health will fail. Well, that scared the king a good deal, for he was just getting over one sick spell, and he was afraid if he had another right away, he'd die, sure. He sat down and asked Grandpa Hare to tell him how he came to have a tail like that. And Grandpa told him, and it made the king laugh and laugh until he got well, and he said it was the best joke he ever heard of, and that he'd have given some of the best ornaments off of his crown to have seen that race. And the better King Lion felt, the hungrier he got. And when my grandfather Hare asked him if he wouldn't decide the race in his favor, he just glared at him and said if he didn't get out of there and hunt him up a nice, young, plump, long-tailed rabbit, He'd eat it, cottontail, prophecy, and all, for he didn't go much on prophecies anyway. Well, then Grandpa Hare got right up and said, Good day, and backed out and made tracks for the rest of his family. And he told them that King Lion had just got up from a sick spell that had given him an appetite for long-tailed rabbits. He said that the king had sent him out to get one, and that King Lion would most likely be along himself pretty soon. He said the sooner the rabbit family took pattern after the new cotton-tailed style, the more apt they'd be to live to a green old age and have descendants. Well, that was a busy day in the big deep woods. The rabbit family got in line by a big smooth stump that they had picked out for the purpose. And Grandpa attended to the job for them and called out next as they marched by. He didn't have to wait either for they didn't know what minute King Lion might come. Mr. Tortoise and Mr. Fox came along and stopped to see the job and helped Grandpa now and then when his arm got tired. And by evening there was a pile of tails by that stump as big as King Lion's house. And there never was such a call for the all-healing ointment as there was that night in the big deep woods. And none of our family ever did have tails after that, for they never would grow any more. And all the little new rabbits just had bunches of cotton, too. And that has never changed to this day. And when King Lion heard how he'd been fooled by Grandpa Hare, with that prophecy that he just made up right there out of his head, he knew that everybody would laugh at him as much as he had laughed at Mr. Hare. And he moved out of the country and never came back. And there's never been a king in the big deep woods since. So my 27th great-grandfather did some good after all. And that, said Mr. Rabbit, is the whole story of the hare and the tortoise, and how the rabbit family lost their tails. It's never been told outside of our family before, but it's, been tr it's true, for it's been handed down word for word, and if Mr. Fox or Mr. Tortoise were alive now, they would say so. Mr. Rabbit filled his pipe and lit it, and Mr. Crow was just about to make some remarks, when Mr. Turtle cleared his throat and said, the story that Mr. Rabbit has been telling is all true. Every word of it. I was there. 
Then all the Deepwoods people took their pipes out of their mouths and just looked at Mr. Turtle with their mouths wide open. And when they could say anything at all, they said, You were there? You see, they could never get used to the notion of Mr. Turtle's being so old. As old as their 27th grade grandfathers would have been, if they had lived. Yes, said Mr. Turtle, and it all comes back to me as plain as day. It happened 258 years ago last June. They used to call us the tortoise family then, and I was a young fellow of 67 and fond of a joke. But I was surprised when I went sailing over that fence, and I didn't mean to carry off Mr. Hare's tail. Dear me, how time passes. I'm 325 now, though I don't feel it. Then they all looked at Mr. Turtle again, for though they believed he was old, and might possibly have been there, they thought it pretty strange that he could be the very Mr. Tortoise who had won the race. Mr. Possum said pretty soon that when anybody said a thing like that, there ought to be some way to prove it. And then Mr. Turtle got up and began taking off his coat, and all the others began to get out of the way, for they didn't know what was going to happen to Mr. Possum, and they wanted to be safe. And Mr. Possum rolled under the table and said that he didn't mean anything, that he loved Mr. Turtle, and that Mr. Turtle hadn't understood the way he meant it at all. But Mr. Turtle wasn't the least bit mad. He just laid off his coat quietly and unbuttoned his shirt collar and told Mr. Coon and Mr. Crow to look on the back of his shell. Then Mr. Dog held a candle, and they all looked one after another, and there, sure enough, carved right in Mr. Turtle's shell were the words, Beat Mr. Hare, Foot Race, June 10th, 1649. That, said Mr. Turtle, was my greatest joke, and I had it carved on my shell. And all the rest of the forest people said that a thing like that was worth carving on anybody's shell that had one. And when Mr. Turtle put on his coat, they gave him the best seat by the fire, and sat and looked at him and asked questions about it, and finally all went to sleep in their chairs, while the fire burned low, and the soft snow was banking up deeper and deeper outside in the dark. That's our show. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. If you like the show, you can help us grow by leaving a review on iTunes and telling your friends. For more about Mr. Dog, just check out MrDogsChristmas.com, and you can find us on social media at MrDogsChristmas. This has been the Mr. Dog Podcast, a presentation of That So Enterprises. I'm Henry Cordes.